D-Raw. What's up, people? It's your boy, D-Raw. Coming to you with another episode of The Houston Sports Connoisseurs. Today, I got another co-host with me, Trey. Tell him what's up. What's up, y'all? So, me and Trey going to be talking about a bunch of things today. The Houston Rockets, the Houston Texans. Uh, we got to touch on some NBA topics, some NFL, some college uh, as well. It's going to get real interesting, you know. A new voice, uh, a new topic as usual, and a lot of other things to come. So, first I want to talk about the Houston Rockets. Um, you know, the Rockets right now, we're sitting at what, 12 and 9. Um, you would you say that the Rockets are where you expected them to be? Uh, I ex I expected probably a little bit more better, but I didn't expect them to be having a better season than what they are right now. I thought it'd be more of a you know we'll see how things going, see who fill the role, who gonna who gonna what who gonna start, who gonna be leading the team better. I like what I've been seeing. I like the Dylan Brooks thing. I think he played a big factor in what's going on. I know, um, oh, man, can't get his name right now. Fred, Fred Van Fleet been a big factor for us. What, eight assists? He been he been doing his thing. I don't know. I know a couple games ago he shot like four for 11 from the field, four for 16 from the field goal, and I didn't like that. Just jump, taking up shots. But overall, I think the team is pretty good. Do I see his playoffs? Maybe don't really see it going that far. Well, you know, I'm surprised because currently the Rockets are three and one against the former NBA champs, the uh, Denver Nuggets. I didn't know that. And uh, at this point, I like where we at. You know, I like what Sagoon can do to a former MVP and Jokic. Special. Um, I like how Van Vliet has really been dishing the ball around. Yeah, sometimes he takes some bad shots, but I can tell you, Jalen Green. Uh, he take a lot of bad shots too, and it's some nights that he be hot and some nights he be cold. Um, but Van Vliet, man, I would honestly say he is the heartbeat of this team when it comes to the whole function of how this team really move around the floor. When there's no Van Vliet, this team seems to struggle sometimes. But also, to be honest, Austin Holiday has been stepping up too uh, this season, although he get. Small amounts of minutes, you know, off the bench. Sometimes he really come through and have big games, especially from the three-point line. So, so far, I mean, I think the Rockets are headed in the right direction. I also think that they are in play to uh, get to the playoffs eventually, hopefully this season. Um, the one thing I will say, though, is that they got to improve on the road, you know, moving forward. Because they only won one game on the road so far this year. But crazy. it was against the Denver Nuggets. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, with that being said, you, you look at the next um, three or four games, and the Rockets are on the road against Memphis, Milwaukee, and Cleveland. And Memphis, I feel like we can get them on the road. He's drawing them right now. But Milwaukee and Cleveland, what you think about that? Milwaukee and Cleveland. You know what I'm saying? You got to deal with Giannis. You got to deal with uh, Damian Lillard. Oh, Milwaukee and Cleveland. You talking about Giannis, Damian Lillard. They still got uh, Chris Middleton. Cleveland, they too small for them. Way too small. You think the Rockets too small? Or you, or you think Cleveland too small? Cleveland too small. 
Cleveland's too small. I was I don't know because you know Cleveland they they got they got a nice front court. Uh, I ain't saying we got the biggest players, but I feel like our team is somewhat better than theirs. Well, I would say you know with them having Jared Allen in they in their front court really make a difference, but um, I I really really like Donovan Mitchell as a player. Like to me, he's a special player in the NBA. Uh, he's he's definitely gonna be special for them in the backcourt. I don't know. I think the Rockets gonna have their hands full, not only because of Donovan Mitchell, but you. Oh, and I forgot, bro. They even got Evan Mo- Mobley in the uh, front court too. So I actually think the Rockets are a little undersized when we when we face in Cleveland because of the length that they. Yeah, have. I don't think we we we're a great rebounding team at all, and I think that's what Cleveland will have advantage on us with second chance points. Is. And also against Milwaukee too. I know we can. We're a very fast, very fast-paced team. Move the ball around quick. But when it comes to those two teams and the rebounds, that's where we're gonna lack at. Sagoon, he's good, but we need another second big, second big man that's gonna help him out with the rebounds. Somebody we can sub in with help without having to always play too many minutes when we need to fill a certain role in for a certain player who's not gonna be able to guard that player on the rebound, and he can take a step back. Just like how most games, just like most games, be like when you some players don't be matching well with other players, you have to rotate them out. Yeah, and I think that's what we might lack at as a big with big man's. Uh, I I definitely agree with you. Like I don't think we're a really good rebounding team, and I think a lot of that is part of uh, Jabari Smith Jr. Like I feel like he needs to become a better rebounder, not only because of him being in the four position, but because he got the height and the length. You know what I'm saying to do that. And if he step up in that four position and Sengun could eventually, you know, become a double-double machine, I think he should. Sengun, bro, should be good at offense and rebounding. And I think that's all the Rockets really need him to do. I think Jabari needs to step up on his defensive side of the ball and also better grab some rebounds. And I think the Rockets will be okay. That way... Sengun can just focus on on his technique of getting the ball in the basket. I feel like Jabari can be a special player for us. Was this year two for him? I yep. see I see a lot of improvement from last year. Like you said, the rebounding getting with and get some size on it is a, is a must. Mm. I don't want to take away too much game from him with the size, but it gotta get bigger. Like the NBA yeah. he ain't no Giannis he, and he can just be getting boards like that. Giannis ain't ain't big with muscle wise, but he has the size. He's bigger than when Bianca, we could say that. But yeah, Jabari, he got to he got to step his game up when it comes to that rebounding, get underneath that, and be more physical. He needs to get more be more physical. But he's young though. But that that, that, that happens. He got he still understand, he still understand the game. Not everybody mind develop quick as as everybody else. Yeah, you know uh, another good good thing about this team now is that uh, we got a man Thompson back. So I think that kind of balances some things out for uh, our backcourt going into the future because uh, for, I mean, they got him listed as a forward, but Thompson is really a guard. He, he plays the one for the Rockets a lot of times, and uh, he, he comes in with, with great length. I mean, this dude, like 6'7", he could dish the ball, he could drive, he could shoot, you know what I'm saying, for a young rookie. They list him 6'7", as a four? That sounds like more of a three and a one for me than a four. I don't know why why they did that. I mean, they they got him listed as a four, but he's actually a a one at six seven. You know what I'm saying? He actually a point guard. But I I think I think you know us having him him back 
I think the Rockets would definitely improve over time. But I think Amin Thompson will definitely help the Rockets in the long run. But I would definitely like to have Cam Whitmore uh, get some minutes as well for the Rockets because what Whitmore do for the Rockets, nobody else does. We're talking about a young player that's explosive, and every time he's came into the game for the Rockets, it don't matter if it's five minutes. Uh, I just seen Cam Whitmore go out there and explode, bro. I'm talking about getting rebounds, getting points, dunking on people, shooting, shooting a J. You know, Whitmore is really a special player, and I'm just trying to figure out why he's still down in the G League at this point. You know, I'm looking at this roster of the Rockets, and we got a lot of young players, a lot of young players. And I like them, but in order for us to succeed, I feel like for this year, we need to figure out who we want to keep for the future and who we should trade and find some type of room for other big players to come to the team to make our team more solid than what we are. Because, yeah, we can we competing right now, but – and we did get a couple off-season off, no, off players like Fairman Fleet and Dylan Brooks – that helped us very a lot in a way, but I feel like in order for us to see for future, I don't think we need all these young players. Not everybody's going to develop as well as we want them to. Yeah. And, you know, I think our biggest one is right now, we need to really see where we stand with Jalen Green. You know, we're going to keep him or we not. You know, a lot of people talk about Jalen Green and like his productivity and stuff. I feel like Green, like, for year three, a player that's what, I think Green, like, 21, uh, I feel like he's pretty productive. He could be more efficient, but I think that's going to come with him, you know, uh, getting more years under his belt. If he don't pick it up, he'll be a backup player. He's going to start being a role player soon in his career. If he don't pick it up and learn and take better shots learn get a, and learn how to shoot at a, when he's needed, I think his mid-range need to improve more than his three-point. I know he's not a good three-pointer, but he shoots a lot of more mid-ranges. That's where his percentage comes from, mid-range and inside. But I think he needs to improve on the shooting. But if he don't step his game, well, it's year three. Going to year four, he's, he's, it's going to probably start looking like a role player when it comes to bigger names coming in for him. Who knows? Like you said, the other rookie, Amir Thompson, I, you know, it's still, it's still early for him. But he might. it's possible that he probably be the starting guard for over Jalen Green. Hey, another pair, player that's really possible uh, getting a, a starting position is Tari Eason. Uh, he was drafted last year. I believe, was it last year? Yeah, it was last year. Um, Tari Eason got drafted last year. And so far, for him coming off the bench, he's really been explosive. But also, he's been efficient from three and inside. And he's a better defender than Jalen Green. So, if anybody that was calling out for his position, I know... Tari played a forward position, but he can actually play the two as well. And uh, I think that would be definitely a player that uh, we'll have to be watching out for if Jalen Green was to ever go perfect. You know what I'm saying? They have to find somebody else to fill in. I would say the, the next three games that I was talking about, though, um, Grizzlies, uh, the Cavaliers, and who else I said? Milwaukee. I feel like those three road games, I think we're going to come out of there. We're probably going to win. Yeah, two, two and one. one. I think we're going to win two and lose one. Milwaukee will lose two. I know it will. You think we so? Ain't, we, they, they got way too many experienced players. Nobody's going to be able to guard Dame. I'm sorry, Dame, your Dame like that, then who the fuck really going to guard 
Giannis. Giannis, like, come on, like, we ain't got the players like that. I love my team, but I know I'm gonna get credit with it. <laughs> I could see, I could see Memphis is very winnable. You know what I'm saying? Uh, especially when, um, when, when they're missing key players on their squad, and then Milwaukee, like you said, Giannis gonna be a problem. I think Dame. I think we can kind of even, you know, even out with with Van Vliet. I'm not saying that Van Vliet can hold him or anybody can stop him, but I feel like what Van Vliet uh, produces, um, I feel like he'll give us a shot. But there's nobody that really has an answer for Giannis on on the Rockets team at this point. And that Cleveland game, I think it's really just gonna be a matchup of uh, who backcourts uh, perform better, and um, if our front court. Uh, considering Sengun, if he can stand out against uh, the two players that they might be throwing at, at him and Mobley and Jared Allen. Um, but I think we got a shot, bro. Like you said, two and one out of, out of that road uh, trip. So hopefully we, we can uh, come back and meet next time and, and say the same thing. You know, we came out of there victorious, got two uh, games on the road, which we haven't seen yet this season. My last note on that, I really – am surprised by the Rockets um certain games we didn't want on and where we stand there right now 10-1 at home it's pretty fucking good compared to that way that way we got improved only way for us to be a successful team we got to improve them away games that's yeah. all I'm saying on that yeah um so I don't know if you heard about Draymond Green getting suspended again uh, this time is indefinitely <laughs> I mean I don't know bro doesn't definitely mean for the rest of the season. It means that it could be for the rest of the season or however long the NBA decide that they want to suspend him. Okay. But also, with his suspension also comes counseling because he got a problem with grabbing balls and hitting people in the balls, apparently, in the NBA. Is Draymond Green gay? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, what is wrong with this dude, man? I don't think he gay. I believe he going to do whatever it takes to win the game or put himself in a position to where if he got to take his step out the game, take one of their best players out the game, rattle them up, that's what he going to do. That's the type of player I see him. Now, I don't somewhat don't have a problem. Just somewhat. Just somewhat. But I don't know. These past couple of years with this BS has been pulling, I feel like he need to be out the league. His time is up. He's old. <laughs> and he just feel like he can just do anything he want. Like, you making millions and you, you you getting kicked off, getting, out, getting suspended off the team for what? Like, when you, this is a team sport. It's not a youth yeah. sport. And at this point, I really don't feel like he need to be in the league no more. You know, man, Draymond, I think he didn't he didn't pick on every person he could possibly pick on any NBA team. You know what I'm saying? Hell, he probably pick on Curry behind the camera. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this, <laughs> I, this dude, yeah, this dude I, is just a bully, bro. I like the Curry because I feel like if Curry's on somebody else's team and Klay Thompson, and he's playing them, if it's that bad, he might probably try him, but they've been, they been, they all got too much. The same as I said, well, he didn't, he didn't uh, put one of his former teammates to sleep. You know, he, this dude, bro, he, he just out of control, honestly. Like, I agree. He probably do need to be out of the NBA. I, and I don't know to say to go that far, but he definitely needs a true suspension and a real fine and some counseling. And I think the NBA might actually finally be going in the right direction. And that, that also uh, makes me think about John Morant. John Morant, yeah, yeah. John Morant, you know what I'm saying? I think it took him a couple times to, to be caught up with his little gun shit and, and, and the cameras and stuff like that, He's too. He's been quiet since that you know, suspension. Well, yeah, he's been quiet because he ain't been playing on, on the NBA court. And he losing money, you know. 
and like the first time it was just like okay I think that's how he felt like okay I don't care you know y'all gonna suspend me for a couple games you know and I think Draymond did the same thing and then every time that Draymond has his little instances it's always just like a couple games or probably like a little uh, bullshit fine or something like that but you know same thing with I was saying with John Moran is like it took the NBA to really really suspend him and make you know make him understand like nah bro this ain't no game your your image really matters to us and you know the NBA and, and all these uh, people that look up to you so hopefully this time Draymond takes it serious but if he do if he do that shit again honestly bro I, I would kick I don't him believe he's gonna take it serious I don't believe he need no more counseling this has been going on for the past three years been going on longer than before that but the past three years been way worse there's no more counseling there's no more talking to him he don't get, he don't care about fines he don't care <laughs> and as an organization as for the Warriors I understand the man help you won three championships I yeah. could be wrong maybe four but like at that point it like there's no more loyalty in that like you now you're just making us look bad as, a, as an organization you make yourself look bad mm-hmm. no one's gonna want to work with you outside of this organization or when you when you're done I don't really see it I wouldn't want to work with him I wouldn't want to probably speak to the man because the way he look, what he doing? He don't show no positive. He don't show no good character off off the court. Yeah, he he don't. He don't show. I, he don't show good character off the court or on the court. I've heard one person speak well about him at all off the court. Have you? Nah. Exactly. And then when he on his little podcast, he he just make himself seem even worse. I don't so, listen to his podcast. I would like, never. man. I don't know. Draymond Draymond is a really interesting character. I could be honest and say that. Um. You know, Giannis, he went off of 64 points against the Pacers, and uh, he broke his team record. You know, it, it's funny that 64 points was actually the record for the Bucks because it's so many famous players that actually played for the Bucks besides Giannis. And to say that he broke it, it, it really uh, goes to show what kind of strides he's making in his career, going from NBA, NBA champion to MVP. Now uh, he's a record holder in something. And yet all this man does is just run down court and dunk the ball all the time. You know, I'm very surprised Giannis scored 64. Like you said, all he do is dunk. I didn't didn't watch the game. I caught it this morning and I saw it. I'm like, how does man score 64 points? And all the man to do is play inside. Now, if I'm not wrong, I might look at the highlights probably after the podcast. He probably probably took a couple mid-range. Maybe he went throughout the whole game. Maybe two, who knows, but I doubt it. But 64 points, uh, it's, it's impressive for a man who just dunking the ball. But honestly, it shows you how well on the size the Pacers is. So, <laughs> over <for> 3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, also, I had to, to look up the numbers. I wanted to make sure what I was look to understand, like, what happened in this game. And from saying, what, he had 11 defensive rebounds. It's something you can't control on defensive rebounds. But that means he had, what, three offensive rebounds. You let this man get... 11 defensive rebounds, that mean y'all, the Pacers was doing something wrong. Me personally, as a Pacer, if I was playing against the Bucks, I would try to keep Giannis away from the paint as much as I can. So, that mean I would probably have Miles Turner play from the three-point line more than, more than anything, keep him out from inside and make Lopez go for the rebounds. And the fact you let this man get 14 total rebounds, four steals. How the hell this man get four steals? <laughs> How the hell this man get four steals? Like, come on, like, 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 to be honest, bro, the Pacers just lost to Giannis. This dude put up 64 points by himself. He went 20 for 28 from the field, 
and he was 0 for 3 from the three-point line. Free throw, 24 to 32. That and, means he improved on his free throw a lot. That's, and, some, that's some hard numbers right there. Means that, that he just kept on running inside, and they just start, you know, caught, they just kept tagging him with fouls and stuff like that. So uh, that that also, like you said, you made some good points with Miles Turner. He should have been boxing them out and keeping them outside, you know, shooting the deep range shots. Because he went two for two from the three. Like that's what I would do. Keep you out. Keep him out. Keep him out the paint. Don't let him get. Let us beat on the rebound on the boards. What what's the, what what they have for the boards? Let me see. Uh, overall, as, as a team, they had 45 rebounds and 43 rebounds versus 43 rebounds. So, the Bucks had 43 rebounds. Okay, so, Pacers beat them in the rebounds. I don't know. Just Some just don't seem right looking at the numbers. The numbers don't look too bad overall towards both teams. But the fact that this man has 64 points. Obviously, I've seen the 24 for 32 from the free throw. Obviously, this man improved his free throw. So, now you can't hack this man. He ain't the person you can hack. He's been working on his game. I think I mean, it's just bad coaching. Bad coaching, and also, uh, clearly the, the problem was that the Patriots couldn't keep their hands off the Bucks. 32 fouls. And then they just couldn't box out Giannis ever in the game. Because you look at it, points in the paint for the Bucks, bro, it was 70 points in the paint for the Bucks, And Giannis had 64 of those points. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, overall, bro, you know, the Patriots got beat by Giannis. And, and, and it's it's sad to say that a team, you know, 15 players, can nobody, can nobody out of all 15 players box out Giannis. That's crazy. Um, moving on, though. Let's get to the Houston Texans. Yeah, my favorite topic. New York Jets versus the, the Houston Texans. Uh, Jesus. It, it was a, a, a very sad shame for us Texans fans losing to the Jets, you know, I'll be honest, bro. I, I really thought that that the Texans had a chance. I thought we would have won like uh, 17, 14 or something. Like at one point, it was halftime. And I was like, you know, I think the Texans can come back. <laughs> he thought. I all didn't. Of, <laughs> all of that just <laughs> all of that just died very fast, you know. But looking at this game, I think the Texans learned a lot about themselves. But also, I think um, in this game, I've seen some things um, not only about C.J. Stroud, but about the players that wasn't out there on the field. And it, it says a lot about those players and C.J. Stroud as well. But um, I'll let you say what you got to say about the game first. Okay. First off, I'm a big Texas fan. I'm going to say that. And I expect more than most, what most people probably expect. When it comes to them, I look at how they first come out in the first two quarters. Really the first quarter. If I don't see them pushing the ball downfield and playing timid and I'm looking at the other team being more aggressive than us, I know well, we want, I know from a fact to where the game, we probably might lose it off the rip because we're not looking aggressive. Mm-hmm. My thing was I feel like we should have pushed the ball down the field more. They've been trying to get the run game going. And I feel like we have a better passing offense than we have a rushing offense. And I feel like we should have been focused on more to pass to open up our run game. Offensive line blocked terribly that game. That's when I knew that we lost from since before the fourth quarter, fourth, fourth, first quarter ended. I didn't know that it was going to be a rainy game. I should have checked that up. Because I expected us to win that game. 
the fact when I saw it rain, I was like, ah, oh, I don't know. We ain't played in one raining game like that yet. And this for CJ Stroud first raining game. And I know yeah, everybody going, I know both players, both teams going to be dropping the balls. But after losing, what, uh, what's my boy? Uh, Tank Dell. Tank Dell. After losing him, I was still cool with winning that game. I said we still we had the role players with Nico Collins and John Metchie. Still looking for my boy to do his thing, you know. And I'm still a John, John Metchie believer. <laughs> but Nico Collins, I felt I felt like he didn't want to play that game. To be honest, he got in, got that one catch because I seen it before. I seen the stats before the game. I'm like, oh, he's need nine yards for a thousand. Man, get in, catch one catch for thirteen yards. Oh, two, three plays later. Oh, see, you see Nico Collins under the ten. He didn't came back in. <laughs> what play did you see that man look to hurt at all? You he know, jumped enough for the ball. He he jumped up for the ball real high. He, he looking healthy. You know, he, he you going know, up there. To be honest, to be honest, bro, I, I actually had missed the first like three minutes of the game, so I didn't see Nico catch the ball. But uh, when I had turned to the game, it was like twelve minutes in the uh, first quarter, and then they was already talking about how Nico was out. So I was like, oh, damn. You know, like, damn, we ain't got Nico. So now we got uh, Hutchinson. We got Mechie and Brown and Woods. And honestly, deep inside, bro, inside my heart, bro, I thought that we still had a chance. You know, I was just thinking on how Noah Brown had them big games. I, I knew how Robert Woods uh, was uh, very, you know, really someone that that C.J. Stroud could, could depend on on third down conversion. You know, those, those kind of things kind of popped into my head. And I and I also seen some things from Hutchinson throughout the season. Not a lot, but I seen him shine, you know, a time or two. I don't know about shining. Man, he shined a, a time or shining. two. He shined a lot more than John Mechie. No, I can't tell. Look, <laughs> Hutchinson only had two catches for 15 yards. John Mechie caught one for six yards. Overall, we had 11 receptions as a team. Yeah. That is terrible. Yeah. So, Worst look, game of the season. But look, see, you say you said they should have pushed the ball downfield. But I'm going to be honest, bro. Like, from what I've seen, C.J. Stroud, it, the, the things that was going on wasn't C.J. fault. I was, yeah, I you know, just literally like, tell you that. The, the O-line was, was playing terrible, to be totally honest. But, to me, looking at how the run game went, I know a lot of people were like, oh, uh, the, the passing game being more successful, so we should have went out passing. But they, they passed. And I think uh, they seen that, it wasn't working. The receivers weren't catching the ball. Twenty-eight attempts, bro. That's that's plenty of attempts. You know what I'm saying from a, a passing perspective to see, and you only got eleven completions. And I looked at C.J. Stroud. I ain't even talking about Davis Mills yet. I just looked at C.J. Stroud. He threw some good balls. Now he might have threw a ball or two that was probably behind the receiver or whatnot. But I seen a lot of those balls thrown ahead of the receiver hit the receiver's hands, and they just drop it. Hell, then I seen Davis Mills go out there and throw a ball to Noah Brown in the second half, and that motherfucking ball just hit him right in the face. So I think altogether, like, to me, the, the team just played horrible. They wasn't ready. They wasn't prepared in no way, uh, shape, or fashion, bro, for this game, especially considering the elements. Now, I knew that it was going to rain, and I knew it was going to be kind of chilly, but that also made me say, oh, the Texans need to get the ball on the ground, you know, get it running. And honestly, you look at the stats, Devin Singletary played pretty good. 13 carries, 65 yards. He averaged five yards per carry, and he was the one with the touchdown. So I feel like they should have led into the second half uh, running the ball. Damian Pierce shouldn't have got no more carries after what he was doing because 
he just don't know where he going. He just run into traffic every time. Uh, but besides that, we really, really did need the receivers to step up in this game. None of our receivers stepped up. None of them. Our two best receivers didn't play this game, really. And our backup receivers did not play well at all. None of them. And it makes you think, what's going on? You know, I believe for a team that doesn't play in terrible weather as good, we play in the Dome. We should prepare for like things like this during the off season and things like that. Yeah. Make the make the quarterback get the ball wet every game, you know, every practice, something like that. Practice on, you know, yeah. controlling that ball. Let the receivers make them make them feel what I ain't saying the field gotta be wet, but make their body wet, make sure they can learn how to catch the ball and traffic yeah, like they win rainy games. Because you like this this is what we wasn't prepared. Like most of this, most of these players that's this that started this year have mm -hmm. not played in the weather like that yet. And I don't think we probably have played the weather like that probably you know, like I, a couple years. If my memory serves me right, the first game of the season, they had played the Ravens. And I believe it was like raining a little bit. Just a little bit. It wasn't like this game. Nah. This game was pouring down. but That was a sunny game. It, it was, I think that it was, was a sunny like, game. It was kind of cloudy, but it wasn't raining. I don't know. I just remember it being a little wet. I don't know. We have to go back and rewind and see. But like you said, though, it's obvious this team is not good in the elements, bro. And uh, I would hate to say this, but if we make it to the playoffs and, and we don't. I like Buffalo. And, yeah, and we play, if Buffalo somehow sneak in. And speaking of Buffalo, I, actually we're going to say that for later. But uh, but any of those teams like the Ravens, they got the top seed. Or uh, Kansas City, you know, if we if we mess around and play one of them them teams in the first round or, or somehow some, some way possible, bro, and it's elements. You might as well count that as an L. I want to speak on the seed right now. I want to ask you a question. How do you feel about these next four games, and do you see us actually making the playoffs? You know, to be honest, like, you got to kind of look at look at the whole situation. Because, like, this Tennessee team that we facing next week is not a bad team. Like, the record might say one thing, but I just seen this Tennessee team defeat the Dolphins on the road, you know what I'm saying? And uh, Will Levis is not a bad rookie quarterback. He ain't better than C.J. Stroud. But uh, I, I'll take the bet on this. He's better than Davis Mills. And if we got to have Davis Mills out there against Will Levis and his squad, which got a solid defensive uh, background, Tennessee always does, and they got a solid, two solid running backs, and, that, and uh, Henry and Ty J. Spears. Texas might be in trouble, bro. I'm and a, then I'm gonna save I'm gonna save Davis Mills on this one for Will then Will Levis because Davis Mills played with a terrible squad, terrible two different coaches, two different two different playing styles. Will Levis ha do have DeAndre Hopkins? He do. he do have a running back that can help him out, definitely on the pass blocking and shit like that, on yeah. the play action or something like that. He have talent around him. Davis Mill didn't come in with talent. That's true. And he played very he played some good games. He even beat Buffalo last year. Can't you know coming in. He ain't had some good games. Yeah, now yeah. I know I you know I just now giving Davis Mills the time with playing with our players, I feel like he'd be a decent quarterback. I always I don't think he's a starter. Let me get that straight. I don't think he's a starter. Uh -huh. I do think he's somewhat like another like another uh what's the guy name for Colts? Uh Minshew? Minshew. I think he's like another Minshew. He just haven't had a chance to split. probably had the first, you know, practice with first team, but it's probably be his year. It's probably be his, his week 
He might be starting this week. I believe he will. He came in twice after C.J. Stroud came down, and I feel like they have him as the second string now. I feel like what they're going to do is give him a chance in this game against the Titans. Yeah. And if he don't improve before the halftime or beginning of the third quarter, I feel like that's when they make the switch and put Kingdom in. You know, I'm going to be honest, bro. I'd rather just see Keenum from the jump anyway. I feel like at this point of the season, us trying to make a playoff push and uh, knowing that we what we got, you know, right now, I feel like Keenum really gives us the best chance to win uh, in this game. I think he got a lot more awareness as far as being in the backfield, feeling pressure and getting out getting out when he needs to, making those deep deep passes when mm-hmm. we need, you that's, know. That's what I'm going to stop you at right there. The reason why I don't think they – We'll put Keenum in only because two reasons. He's a little older. Well, Matt Fabian get you through. He's a little older. So you're talking about older, actually, but yeah. Yeah. you're talking about trying to move out the pocket and scramble for some yards, probably not gonna happen as well as we had with CJ. Now CJ Shroud's not a fast quarterback at all, but he can do enough to get what we need. Davis Mills younger. He can do that, but also Davis Mill has a stronger arm than Case well, Keenum. He do got a stronger arm so, than Case Keenum. Well, we want we want a deep ball thrown. We know Kate, We know Davis Mills can do it. We seen his arm. Seen we his seen arm. It. We seen it, but it's but he, inaccurate. That's okay. That's okay. It's that's that's what that's what that's what that's time NFL does. He only played one year in college and came in with a terrible team and had to do what he had to do. And he didn't. Like I say he didn't give us no winning record. But then he showed some big games. And he ain't no person who just coming out of college playing one year and third round pick throwing five touchdowns and no picks in certain games against big teams before I had seen him do. So I give Davis Mills, I give him, I give him flowers a little bit. But I do want to see the receivers make something happen well, regardless what the quarterback, regardless what quarterback is going to play for next week, what is coming weekend. I want to see what the receivers are going to do if Kyle's not playing. Well. I really hope Collins is playing because uh, you got Sean Murphy Bunting. He been pretty shut down. He was shut down against the Dolphins, and that's saying a lot. And uh, and then on the other side, you got uh, Eric Garrier. I'm not really too worried about him, and that's the, that's the cornerback that the Texans need to cook. Um, not too sure who the Titans' third uh, or nickelback is, but outside of uh, outside of Sean Murphy Bunting. The Texans need to cook these cornerbacks, bro. Um, Kayvon Wallace, he he a solid safety, a money hooker. He's a, a household name. He's solid as well. But I feel like we we got some favorites, you know, uh, going against the Titans as far as our receivers. We just gotta, as a team, we just gotta step up, bro. Like I, I do. I want to see John Mechie finally show, uh, you know, everything that we've been asking for. You know, what I'm saying him coming out of Alabama. We know he. We knew he had to sit out because of leukemia and things like that. So I'm really hoping that this is finally the game that he really get to show out. But also, even if Nico don't play, the, the one good thing that I did hear is that Schultz is going to be back. Say it. So, Just about to say so it. So if Schultz is back, I think the offense is going to open up a lot more because Schultz is, is a, a target, bro, in the red zone. He's a, he's a target on uh, a third down conversion. You know, like – I think Schultz is really going to play a big factor here, but also um, Noah Brown got to step up. You know, we, we I think we're looking forward to seeing Noah really redeem himself in this game because it was if he had a lot of targets against against the Jets and he just did not get it done. So overall, 
like the receiving core need to step up. I feel like the running game did okay. Not sure what we're going to get out of our running game against the Titans because, like I said, the Titans do have a good, solid defense from their front seven to their DBs. They're pretty solid. But now, here's the question for you. What is our DBs going to do to their receivers considering that they do have uh, they do have D-Hop on their team? Mm, I, I feel like we have great solid. I think we probably, to be honest, you might call me biased for this, which everybody considered maybe say I am, but I feel like we have the DBs to cover any receiver in this league. The safety, you know, I like Jalen Pritchard and Ward. When they hit, when they been in the back, ain't nobody really beating us deep. It ain't too many teams beat us deep in this league so far. And I feel like with the with the Titans, what they have, I feel like we can lock the whole passing game out. I, the only thing that's going to hurt us, I feel, is Derrick Henry having a good run game that's going to open up their passing game. You know, that's what's going to hurt us right there. It's interesting that you mentioned Derrick Henry. Do you know that this dude has rushed for 200 yards on us uh, four of the last five games we played them? Like 200 yards or more. Yeah, we had a ter- we got we had we had like, terrible players, and I don't think our line. To be honest, I don't really think our linebackers are that great to hold down Derrick Henry. They played solid this year, but we really yeah I can't. They played very well against Nixon. They did. And I'm not saying, no, Nixon ain't no Derrick Henry. Nixon is good, but Nixon ain't no Derrick Henry when it comes to size. And I feel like for a guy that big, we don't have the linebackers for it. Definitely mm-hmm. the speed and the physicalness for it. And that's why I feel like it's going to hurt us. And I feel like we're going to need everything. I think we come with a lot of blitzing. Regardless yeah. of his pass and the run, we got to blitz him. Keep, him off, keep Will Levis off his game and keep Derrick Henry from getting in between the tackles. We got to blitz. I'll tell you this. I'm not sure Will Anderson is going to play. He's uh, been doubtful with an ankle injury, high, high sprain, uh, ankle injury or whatever. Um, but the one player that has stood out is Jonathan Gennard. And really, to be honest, the whole defensive line. Like, Anderson, he played – the defensive line played okay against the Jets. But Gennard really showed out. He had, with like, two sacks. You know what I'm saying? Now he's a 10-sack uh, DN or – Linebacker, however, you know, they want to uh, position him. But that's the first time we've had somebody get that many sacks since J.J. Watt been on the team. So I think the D-line is going to be the key to beating Will Levis. If we can continuously put pressure on a rookie quarterback like him, himself, I definitely believe Will Levis will make some mistakes. And uh, you'll see Ward, maybe Stingley or somebody, you know. I want to double back on what you were saying about uh, the receivers. What I want to see this game is knowing we don't. If knowing Stroud probably might not most likely play this game, mm-hmm. knowing we're gonna have either Keenum or uh, Keenum or uh, Mills in this game, I want to. I want the Texans to go all out in this game. I want them to be aggressive. Don't shy away from. Oh, we're gonna just get the run going. Get the run going. Get this receivers going because obviously if Nico Collins did not play this game, we need to get these young receivers in this game and get them started. Mm-hmm. Because if we don't get them started, then they're not going to probably be warmed up enough to make the big plays they need to get to make. Yeah. As a running back, you always got to be ready. That's not that's that's that is a guarantee because the line's going to make sure that you need to get through the hole. The only thing your job is to do is run through the hole that correct hole. As a receiver, 
you got to get them started. I feel like we got to get this receiver started. Be aggressive. I ain't saying go too deep, too deep down the field. If Charles playing this, he gonna open that middle of the field for middle of the field for us. Yeah. We need to see Mechie Hudson and Noah Brown make some plays and let Davis Mills or Keenum throw the ball. I feel like what we got four games. Only game I say we might lose to really, if everything goes well, is the Browns. And right now, I feel like we played a great season. Regardless, we make playoffs or not, I'd be satisfied with the team overall. But I'd rather us take a risk and go out on these Titans and make it happen. Well, uh, this is a game that the Texans really need to go out there and they need to, you know, fly around like their heads on fire. Yeah, no timidness. They don't tighten. They want to. They not make playoffs. Uh, they want. They want us to lose. They gonna go hard on oh, us. Yeah, so look, we I need got, to do the I same got, thing. I got two reasons that the Texans need to whoop the Titans. Number one. They're going to be done in the Houston Oilers uh, uniforms in this game at home. And they finna paint everything like it's love your blue like they back in Houston. That's the number one reason we need to win. When he right put that red on their ass. Yeah. Number two, the Texans need this game for the division because uh, we we still tied with Indianapolis. And hopefully oh, Indianapolis man. drop another game this week against the Steelers. Um, but also, you know, we need this game because... If the Texans beat the Titans in this first game, then they got the tiebreaker already. Even if they uh, beat the Titans this game, beat Cleveland, and they lose to the Titans, the Texans are on the tiebreaker because it's always the first game. You know, so Texans definitely need this game. They do need to be aggressive, like you said. I think the DBs need to step up. Stingley, uh, Stephen Nelson, you know. Stephen Nelson ain't been done good since. He's playing well. He still played well, but he has not done good since maybe like weeks five or six. He's been okay, but he has not been that man. We saw him at the beginning of the year. But That's it's okay. True. That's true. Uh, so hopefully, you know what I'm saying, the DB step up, the pass rush, get to uh, Will Levis, and we get this win because I think the defensive uh, side of the ball is going to be very important considering that we got Davis Mills at the helm. But also that also means, like you said, we need to be aggressive in the beginning of the game, uh, so we can put the Titans in in a position they didn't expect to be in. I'm going. I'm gonna give my my my. Uh, I'm giving my my score in this one. I also am going for Texans. Guys, yeah. too. Go, I go for the home team. I call the score. Twenty-one seventeen. You know it's funny you said that because I said the same thing, bro. Twenty-one seventeen. Um, I feel like you know, like I said, if. If, um, we don't got the punt. I'm sorry. We don't have the field goal kicker. No, nah, fucking missed the he's field. He's supposed to be coming back. Kaimi Fairbairn is actually coming back. Really? Amendola okay. is going. Okay. I'm sorry, people. I, <laughs> I did not know that. So yeah. I had to say. So that's that's <laughs> an important you no know, factor uh, in this game because at least we get Fairbairn back. Another thing is, I just feel like with Mills out there, bro, we're not going to be as successful. But not only not because of Mills, and this is what I want to say earlier. Uh, what Nico Collins and Tank Dell has done for this offense. You know, I think a lot of people overlook that and give all the credit to CJ Stroud. But in this in this game, like, yeah, CJ make the team better. No, but Brown played a few parts in the beginning. But huh? I said no Brown played a few parts. Yeah, so no, no Brown. I'm just talking about the but I know what you mean. I'm just, just talking saying, about the two key players. You're not wrong on that. You know they saying? make a big fucking difference in this offense. I feel like them two players really made a difference in this offense, and I think this Jets game 
goes to show how important Nico and Tank Dell is to this team. You know, and it really sucks that we're not getting Tank back, but we got a chance with Nico and hopefully Stroud get, you know, back to 100% as soon as possible as well. But it just goes to show that not only is he making his receivers better, at you know, that, that goes, example, Noah Brown, you know, but also not only are the, the young players that we didn't expect to step up the way they have so far this season, Nico and Tank, is making CJ better as well. I feel like we put up between 250 to 275 total offense and get the Titans maybe 170 to 190 total offense. Man, that's kind of tough, bro. That means our defense going to play like lights out. I don't know if they're going to play lights out. I feel like the defense will play well. I feel like we might get maybe two picks. Yeah. We disguised that coverage enough going against Will Levis. He ain't had, he ain't had 20 starts. I feel like we'll get two picks, maybe two sacks on them. I feel like two receivers going to step up. Who I don't know, I don't know. I want my boy Mitchell to step up because I know he came back from leukemia last year. He hasn't had too many starts. But times he'd have been in, he, uh, he had made first play, first down catches. Mm-hmm. He has the talent. He did come from Alabama. Alabama always came, had great receivers. This is his first NFL. You're not giving, you know, I said, you know, even though Tank Dell, this is his first year too. But Mechie did come back from leukemia. He has missed the whole year of football. He hasn't played since he played in college. That's almost two years of football missed. He's getting back to the groove. I feel yeah. like he know he got to step up this game. He know he has to. And I feel like Mitch would get about 50 yards. I give Noah Brown maybe 70 because of speed. He can break away and he has some good hands. He didn't. Rain is different. Rain is a different element. I don't element. know, man. I don't know. And I'm seeing Hutchinson maybe about 40 yards. Schultz, two touchdowns. I give Mitch his first touchdown in this game. 21. That's 21 right there. So you don't think we're going to get no rushing touchdowns? I think, bro, the, the rushing, the running attack is going to play a major part. I don't think we get a rushing touchdown, but I feel like we will. The rushing will help us get up. I mean, to, get up some field. of the stats you drop might be true, but I think the the running is going to be important to this team, and uh, Mechie is going to be is going to play a major role as well. But the one thing I will say before I close out us talking about this game is it is going to be forty eight degrees, uh, partly cloudy, and uh, that means no rain. So. Good luck to the Texans. Hope we, hopefully, we we come back from Nashville with the dub, and uh, we charge on into the NFL playoff race, as we uh, was mentioning. One thing I want to say about the NFL playoffs is that there's a couple teams that's right ahead with us, and even uh, the Texans sit in the eighth seed right now, so that means they're outside the playoffs, but in the hunt. Uh, the Colts are tied with us. Colts play the Steelers. That's going to be a big, impactful game on where the Texans are going so far this season. We know that we got the tiebreaker against the Broncos, who is actually in the playoff hunt right now, uh, surprisingly. And then the Bills, when you was talking about the Bills, the Bills have really, like, turned around their season, especially after firing a offensive coordinator and stuff like that. Now they're kind of right back in the picture. And hopefully we don't have to worry about the Bills taking our spot in the playoffs or some kind of weird thing like that. But with that being said, that the one thing that's important about the Bills and the Browns is that uh, if the Texans beat the Browns, I feel like we'll have strength of victories over the Bills 
and you know it, it'll make us look a little bit better and it'll help us charge into the playoffs. I don't I don't think that um the Texans are gonna win out. You know what I'm saying? Nah, nah, I don't, so, I don't believe that either. They need three of the next four games. Got to. And the three games I think we need to win right now, this is my last thing I'm going to say. I must win this need to be this week. Got to win this game. Might If we lose in the last game against the Titans, I don't think that really matters. But as long as we win this game against the Titans, we have to win again against the Browns. I don't really see it, but we have to win that game. But the main game after the Browns will have to be the Colts. Got to win that. Because we beat the Colts. It will put us in. We can jump ahead of them. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Uh, all right. So, it's NFL Pickles time, people. It's NFL Pickles time, people. Let's go. Good games this week. First off, I want to start off with Thursday night. Chargers, Raiders, who you got? Oh, yeah, it's Thursday night too already, huh? Yeah. Raiders favorite to win by three points. I'm giving the Chargers. Chargers? Chargers have the bigger receivers. They have a good defense. They record don't show that they're doing it. But this is the NFL. Every game is going to be tough. But I feel like they have the better offense and better defense with Raiders. So I'm going Chargers. Okay. Yeah, like my uh, my boy Corey say, the Chargers gonna charge, <laughs> and I'm uh I'm gonna ride with the Raiders. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Saturday, man. I didn't know they had three games on Saturday uh, this week. But you got Minnesota and the Bengals. Um, this is a pretty you know this these two matchups right here. Well, this matchup right here is uh very important for both teams. Mm. Bengals favored by three points. Who you got? I got Bengals. Uh, you know, one thing I can say, you got a solid backup quarterback, anything is possible. And right now, this year, it's the lead for solid quarterbacks, backups, because backups are doing their thing this year more than I ever seen. I'm going Bengals. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm riding with the Bengals, too, on that one. Steelers, Colts. Like I said, mm. this is very important. Man, Colts favored by one and a half points. They at home. Uh, granted, that means them being at home, usually a team gets like four points. I'm going to ride with the Steelers. Ah, uh, you know, well, I'm going to give credit what it's due at. I want the Colts to lose, but I feel like they're going to beat them. I'm going with the Colts. All right, all right. Now, this is actually very, very important for the Texans as well. You know, the NFL ain't talk about this, but the Broncos and Lions on a Saturday night, Lions have been electric this season. Uh, the Broncos are still fighting for their playoff life, and they turned around their season. In this game, I'm riding with the Lions at home. What about you? Uh, I have not seen the Lions play at all this year. Wow. I found out they had a good year maybe about two or three weeks ago, which I was very surprised. But uh, Denver... Denver, they fight for their life. They they changed their season around after last year. They, I don't believe it was Russ. No, I really didn't. But I think I'm going with the Broncos. I'm going with the underdogs in this one. Yeah, people, we, we know why Trey going with the uh, Denver Broncos. Y'all why know, is that? He, he used to be a, a, a former resident of Colorado. Ah. <laughs> All right, so, uh, man, a couple other good games, man. Um, mm. Kansas City. 
in the Patriots, yeah, they ain't they ain't too good. Um, I'm gonna ride with the Chiefs on that one. That's an easy. Hold one. on, I wanna I wanna get my input on the Cleveland Brown and Chicago game. Oh yeah, go ahead, bro. Go I ahead. feel like Chicago doing well didn't anybody expected this year. I'm not saying they had a winning season. They six and six in their division, but you know, other than that, I feel like they gonna take the Brown. I feel like they gonna take Cleveland down. I feel like the underdogs. I'm a better. I like I sports bet. I'm taking I'm taking Chicago on this one. I, I see Chicago went beating Cleveland by six points. All right, people, y'all heard it from Trey, not from me. I'm riding with <laughs> Cleveland. <laughs> uh, actually, Tampa and Green Bay, the Battle of the Bays, is actually gonna be pretty good. Both teams six and seven. Uh, Jordan Love, he's starting to you know look like that that young quarterback that they expected him to be. Tampa, they really been fighting for their life and fighting for that division. Um, I'm riding with Tampa in this one. What about you? I'm going with Tampa on that one too. No, I don't really. I haven't really seen still too much of Jordan Love gameplay this year at all. But I like the way Baker Mayfield's playing. He been getting been criticized since he been came in. I'm not saying he's one of the greatest quarterbacks ever. I'm not even giving him that title even near, nowhere near. But I feel like he didn't play well in a position at the time Brady retired. I feel like Buccaneers won that game. Okay. Okay. Um, another very, very solid game, um, midday Sunday, Dallas Cowboys versus the Buffalo Bills, Bills at home favored by two points. Can you believe that they favored against the Cowboys, a team that's been putting up, uh, you know, big margins on people as far as, you know, offensive touchdowns and, and the Bills are favored. You, you think the Cowboys going to win or the Bills? You know, I'm be biased on this one, and I don't care. You know, I, I will give credit what's due it. Dallas has played great. I hate that they are playing great, but they didn't show up and proved a lot of us wrong on a lot of things. A lot of things we thought they were just oh no, nah, they don't know. But Dallas always have messed up in the playoffs. I ain't gonna you know they they have been these past what two three years they yeah, they've they been, they been first round exits yeah exactly so no but for now just to answer the question I'm going Bills in this one I feel like Bills gonna upset Dallas knowing what their offensive power is nice and Dallas has a good or a great offense as well but def- but Buffalo also has a great defense I feel like it's gonna be a defense game I see Bills win this game by ten points wow ten points ten points I think it's going to be closer than that, but I'm going to ride with Dallas. Uh, Baltimore and Jacksonville. This is a a, a big AFC top seed heavy hitter. You know what I'm saying? Because both of these teams really fighting for that number one seed still. Um, in this game, man, I really don't know who to take. You know, uh, Lamar Jackson, he's been playing his butt off this season, looking like a, a MVP. Um, Trevor Lawrence. He been playing some pretty good football as well, and and the Jags uh, offense has been you know putting up points easily from what I've been seeing against other teams except the Texans you know. But uh, I about to say the same thing. But they defense been pretty good as well. But let's not forget about what the Ravens got on defense either. I I mean I don't know, bro. I don't know. Jacksonville at home though, but the Ravens favorite. Who you think gonna pull it off? Again, Ravens. Lamar Jackson is too much of a weapon. He can make things happen with his feet and his arm. He became a better pocket quarterback passer. And, you know, also, uh, what's his name? Uh, the receiver uh, came from the Giants, won Super Bowl with LA. Can't get his name right now. Oh, uh, 
Odell. Odell. Odell Beckham. He had he's playing pretty well, pretty decent for an older man. For older man, he's made a lot of big plays for them. I'm taking I'm taking Baltimore with Jacksonville. Jacksonville. I haven't watched too many of their games other than they play the Texans. And from what I've seen, knowing who we have as a team and how our team is, mm-hmm. they struggled against us in both games. We beat them one time, to beat them bad, and the second time they ready to beat us. So, knowing what the offensive power Baltimore has, I'm going with Baltimore. You know, it's funny that you uh, talk about a team struggling. Both of these teams actually struggled against the Texans. The Ravens actually struggled. They struggled in the, in the first two quarters, but third and fourth, they, they <laughs> found it and they beat our ass. That's but true. It was a lot of improvement but in that I game think the, for us. The, the Texans, yeah, they the Texans was trying to identify who they were at the mm-hmm. time, too. But uh, I'm going to ride with Baltimore in this one as well. I think it's just going to be battle of the quarterbacks who can, you know, who can outperform the other. And I'm, I'm going to ride with uh, Lamar Jackson if we're talking about that. So I'm going to ride with the Ravens. But the Monday night game, Philly and the Seahawks go against each other. And the Seahawks, uh, they're really, you know, hungry for another win. But Philly, they just lost to the Cowboys. I can't believe they lost to the Cowboys. I'm very surprised on that one when I saw that shit. So, Philly Philly on the road, they favored, they favored against the Seahawks. Who are you taking in now? Philly. Philly? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to ride with Philly too. I feel, uh, like, I feel like Seattle's missing something. Uh, I, I feel like uh, what's name has not been stepping up as he should have been. Um, DK Metcalf. He has what, about 800-some yards receiving this year. It's pretty good. He probably ended the season with 1,000. But I feel like he be, he's not doing what he needs to. I feel like it's something's, miss, it's something's well, missing in offense. I don't know if they I, need a game, a switch of coaching or offensive coordinator, but something's missing in their offense. They can be a better team than what they are at 6-7. I mean, I, I think they can have a more electrifying quarterback at this point, you know. But to be honest, like, their quarterback play hasn't been bad from, from neither quarterbacks. Um, but I, I think what they're missing is on defense, bro. I don't really think it's the offense. I feel like Kenneth Walker is a solid running back. I feel like they got a good receiving core, um, you know. And another thing I've noticed about Seattle is that they really have had a hard time protecting their quarterback. So that could be another you know, thing that could be, uh, you know, hurting their team. But with that being said, that's that's all for more reasons why Philly's going to beat them, you know, this week. So that's a wrap on the NFL talk, the Texan talk. Um, now let's step over into some college football. And the one specific thing I want to talk about, people, is actually the SEC. Um, the SEC... Southeastern Conference of Football and College has released their new schedule. And uh, with this schedule, they, you know, basically give us an idea of what what these uh, two new teams that they've added into the SEC uh, is going to possibly be looking like and who they're going to be playing. And the two teams I'm talking about is Oklahoma and Texas, for those that don't know. Um, I'll be honest, man. SEC, everybody, every year, everybody always hype up the SEC about this being the number one conference in college football. But I just don't see how. Because besides a couple of the good teams they got in this conference, these teams never play nobody. Like, look at uh, Alabama. The first week they play Western Kentucky. You know they're going to beat them. That's an easy defeat. Then they play South Florida. 
Easy. And then finally, they play somebody solid in Wisconsin. They get a bye week, and then they play Georgia. Uh, and then they go Vanderbilt. Vandy is, is, is just a whooping boy of the conference. You know, they, they're going to defeat them easily. South Carolina, same thing. Tennessee, Tennessee is going to be competitive for the first half, and then they're going to uh, suffer from defeat. Missouri, uh, competitive for the first half, suffer from defeat. LSU might be good. But then you follow that up with Mercer, and then you play Oklahoma and Auburn. Those two last games is going to be tough. But to me, like, I'll be honest, this is probably, like, one of the best schedules I've seen Alabama put out in a while. But let me talk about this UT schedule. They start off against Colorado State at home, and then they finally play somebody big in Michigan right away. Uh, then they'll play UTSA. They, they, own, they own UTSA, like, literally own UTSA, so that's an automatic win. Uh, they're going to play UL Monroe, and... That's a win. Mississippi State, win. Oklahoma, okay. We, we know they're going to play them in the Red River rivalry. Georgia is a good one. Vandy, Florida ain't been good in a while. They can't never stay consistent. Arkansas, everybody stumps on them nowadays. Kentucky, they just, uh no, they actually kept their coach. They'll be competitive, but they, they probably ain't going to be UT. And then they follow it up with A&M. Now, that's, that's you know, that, that's some good things in there. But um, I know, Trey, you, you probably got something to say on this, but honestly, I was looking forward to seeing UT and Alabama play against each other in the conference, and I was looking for, like, a UT-Georgia game. But honestly, to me, this schedule is light, bro. Uh, it's my first time looking at this schedule, and looking at it, this whole schedule is weak for all teams. Like, only team, I think, who really has a challenge right now and this whole lineup. Matter of fact, I'm going to give it two. Oklahoma and Missouri. I think they have the hardest schedule of all SEC, SEC teams right now. Because, yeah. Looking at the schedule, yeah. Missouri Oklahoma has the hardest schedule. Alabama, they schedule look terrible. They look weak as hell. Only the team they probably, only what, four teams they play, really playing against. That's crucial is South Carolina, LSU, Oklahoma, and Auburn. It's only tough games they probably might have. Maybe only, maybe, maybe only lose one of those games. Mm -hmm. And looking at the Texas schedule, I feel like Texas, first time being in the SEC, they don't want them to look too bad. I feel like just going to give them an easy schedule right now. Mm -hmm. um, who else just came in? You said Oklahoma? Oklahoma. Oklahoma. And, and I'll be honest. I would say this. Oklahoma schedule is, is not bad, but it, it definitely should be better. Because you take Temple, they get them first three first three games and win games. You know Temple, they take that they take them on. Then Houston, I'm a I love U of H, but um, I love to pick us, but I just don't know the state of our program, bringing in a new coach and things like that. Right now, players transferring in and out, so my predictions on that game kind of change. Um, so we'll see on that. Tulane is a solid football team right now, but we just got their coach, so we don't know. What the new coach gonna do in uh Summerall, but to be honest, um, Tulane game might be actual actually a, a good matchup for Oklahoma out of the first three games. Then they got Tennessee and Auburn, uh, so entering that conference play should be a little tough. Uh, Texas at the Cotton Bowl, and then it's gonna get easy against South Carolina. Ole Miss may be challenging depending on how many of those players uh stayed at Ole Miss from this previous team. 
and maimed. You playing maimed? Like, you know, I just looked at it again. Another team who actually has a tough-ass schedule, Kentucky. They play in Southern Miss, South Carolina, Georgia, Ohio, I mean, Ole Miss, Florida, Auburn, Tennessee, Texas. <clears throat> that is a pretty tough schedule with Kentucky. And to be honest, you know, I know a lot of teams just switch different conferences and everything. But to be honest, I don't believe Kentucky should be in the, in the SEC. They should have been got them out of Wow, out of all the teams you picked, it's, I mean, you... you Pick Kentucky not to be in the SEC. No, I'm gonna I tell you, I'm gonna tell you what team should football be. Football wise, they have they should not be in the SEC. Like not at all because. But they've been stepping up, bro. Yeah, they they have played better this year. They for the first time in years, I've never seen Kentucky play as good as they have. But I think been thought that they should have been left the SEC. I believe another team could have had that. I believe Florida State should left SEC and went to SEC. Well, you know, there's been a lot of talks about uh, Florida State possibly leaving the ACC. And the ACC kind of uh, becoming diminished, um, possibly in the next couple years. That could be another conference that, like, really just poofs go away. You know what I'm saying? Because now it's really going to just be about the Big Twelve, um, the Big Ten, and the SEC. Because there's no more Pac-12 at the end of this uh, football season, basketball season. That the Pac-12 is gone. Is 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 really going to be two teams left? And I don't know why they still sticking together. What the hell they think they gonna gain? And that those two teams was uh, Oregon State and Washington State. But every everybody else is either going to the Big Ten or the Big Twelve. You know, so and it's possible, like I said, ACC could uh, eventually go away as well. And those teams are gonna be divided probably amongst the SEC, um, possibly the Big Ten, but I, I'm not really sure. Cause they just added four teams, but um, in the Big Twelve for sure. That's the SEC football schedule. I know, I know, we ain't got an actual picture in front of you guys yet, but we getting there with that. Um, but I'm gonna leave a link to this uh this schedule so so y'all can see it as well, people. Um, moving on from college football, let's do a little college uh bowl pick 'em. You know, it, it's it's bowl season. Um, everybody's favorite team, hopefully everybody's favorite team is in the bowl. Well, I know mine isn't, but, um, looking at this upcoming Saturday, we got Georgia Southern playing against Ohio and, um, Georgia Southern is favorite at, well, Georgia Southern is favorite on the road as the road team, um, against Ohio in this game. And to be honest, I'm going to ride with Ohio. I haven't seen much of Georgia Southern, but I know Ohio has been pretty consistent this year. Trey, what you think? I'm going Georgia, Georgia Southern. Okay, okay. Uh, Jacksonville State Gamecocks and the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, they face off against each other in the R&L Carriers New Orleans Toilet Bowl. Uh, <laughs> these two teams face off against each other, and Jacksonville State is favorite. I'm going to ride with them because I've seen them. They've been uh, pretty solid. I like what they uh, can do with their offense. And their defense has seemed to be a little bit locked down when i you know, seen them on TV a couple times. I'm going Red Cajuns. <laughs> Miami, Ohio, Red Hawks, Appalachian State Mountaineers face off against each other in the avocados from Mexico, Cure Bowl. And uh, App State has always been consistent. I've seen them for the past... Three or four years, ever since they've been in the, on the FBS level, 
they've been good, and I really like them against Miami, Ohio. I'm going Miami. I ain't gonna lie. One, 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 one little quick one. I don't like that name, Avocado from Mexico, Kirbo. Sounds so <laughs> racist. <laughs> uh, in the next game, we got New Mexico State Aggies and Fresno State Bulldogs. And they're going against each other in uh, the New Mexico Bowl. And to be honest, bro, I'm going to ride with New Mexico State in this one. I've seen them uh, go up against some solid teams this year. Um, they had beat somebody pretty good, too, uh, early in the season. But 10-4 and four, uh, so far this year, I'm really liking them. I'm going to Mexico, too. I, I, think this, I think that game will probably be the best bowl game you'll probably see. Yeah, you might be right, especially on this uh, Saturday. And then we got um, UCLA Bruins and Boise State Broncos. They're fighting against each other in the Starco Brands LA Trash Bowl. And um, it's going to be UCLA prevailing to me. I was just going on UCLA too. Boise State, they're decent, but they ain't really had too many solid players to me over the years. Yeah. I'm going UCLA. Uh, and last but not least... California Golden Bears and Texas Tech Red Raiders in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl up in Shreveport. Uh, these two teams face off against each other at 500, and I like Texas Tech Red Raiders in this one. You know how I feel about Texas Tech. They are, they the upsetters. They be upsetting everybody today. I call them upset team. I'm going Texas Tech. All right. For sure, for sure. All right. So moving on from college football, we're going to – Touched a little bit on this Otani uh, new $700 million deal that he got for 10 years. And he get the option to opt out. Now, I never heard this. This dude has the option to opt out if the team's owner, Mark Walter, leave the team. Or if the president of baseball ops, Andrew Friedman, leaves. He gets the ops out of his $700 million contract. If any of those two dudes make a move, um, not only that, he also will receive $2 million per year until 2034 and between 2043. He would then receive the rest of the money deferred. So that big chunk of money is going to come to him later in his career because of that's the way they set it up so they can go get more players and keep you know money on the books. Also... Is uh, I would like to mention that they will have the biggest big three in baseball probably ever, and uh, not only by talent and stature, but also by money, because all these dudes is getting paid about half a billion dollars. <laughs> so you got Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, and Otani making the lineup. But just to go back to Otani. Um, what do you think about that, bro? $700 million? Like, to one player? It's a lot of money, and they gave this man money to where he can always own his own franchise by the time he ended up leaving uh, leaving baseball. And I don't understand why this man got paid so much money. Like, I think it's kind of outrageous for somebody to get paid that much money. Yeah. And it's not, I'm not saying baseball is not a risky sport, but... Where is the risk in the sport to where somebody get paid that much money to where they need that much money if they if they not risking their body like NFL players. I feel like NFL players and basketball players don't should get paid that. But you know what? I'm going to say something that nobody probably might not like what I'm going to say because it's a white sport. 
I'm not saying because black black people play the sport too, mm-hmm. but basketball, football is, known, is more known as a black sport now, and that's when they get underpaid. I feel like a lot of football players and basketball players still get underpaid compared to these baseball players. You might have a you might have a point there. Uh, I think another thing that that really plays a major role in baseball is that it's a, it's more of an international sport. Not to say that basketball isn't, you know, but it's it's an international sport that has already had players pave the way uh, over time from different, you know, cultures and colors and, and things like that. And, and, and players get paid fairly with no cap space in, in baseball. And go back on this man's contract. <laughs> this, man is damn, this man is getting paid more than LeBron, damn in his first 10 years. Oh, not only that, he getting $700 million right now, uh, or not right now, but, you know, over time from the Dodgers, but not to mention the money he made with the Angels. But he also gets a whole bunch of money in endorsements because he's Japanese, and I ain't know Japanese. and uh, they don't even talk about how much money he making from the Japanese oh, yeah, that man. people and stuff like that because they love this dude. And look, the crazy thing is, Otani doesn't even know how to speak English. So imagine if he knew how to speak English, how much money he can make in endorsements in America. Now, the one thing that is special about Otani is that he is a all star pitcher. But he's also an all-star batter. And he plays both sides. So when he's not pitching, he's batting. But now, just the crazy thing is, Otani had tore something in his arm, like a Tommy John or something. I just take by the injury. And uh, he's not even going to be able to pitch this year. So he's only going to he's only gonna bat. And they paid him $700-some million just to be a designated hitter. So he's, he's not playing no position in the defensive uh, field or anything. He's just going to bat for the team. And... Just the fact that he had a torn ligament or whatever, and he can't pitch the ball, you me, and you batting the ball, doesn't mean you're going to bat the ball all in all the games. You probably might sit out half because they don't want to save him for the playoffs, I'm pretty sure. So, he basically just going to be sitting on money. I'm not sit. saying he's not going to be still trying to win, be competitive, but he really just sitting on money at this point. Yeah, he's going to sit on a lot of money, bro. I mean, this dude going to be sitting on so much money that, uh, like you said, um, he 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 gonna have more money than a lot of sports franchises. But not only that, we talking about one player that's gonna be more valuable than uh, some of these you know major league franchises altogether. I got a question for you. After hearing about his contract and then you know hearing about Patrick Mahomes' contract not too long ago, getting that five hundred million supposedly. Now they they obviously reconstructed the contract a little bit, mm-hmm. but they still get making more money than most of the football players in his league. Do you see in the next five years or so, can anybody beat that seven hundred million? Yeah, most definitely. Uh, if it if it ain't on the baseball level, it's gonna be in, in soccer, like overseas, like Europe. They they usually get paid. I mean, they usually get paid a, a lot of money over there. Um, I don't think nobody you know touch seven hundred million. But if it's not baseball or soccer, I don't see it. You know, no time soon. But. It's coming, bro. I, I, would, I would say, like, in the next five to ten years, bro, somebody, somebody going to have a billion-dollar contract. <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, and it's just ridiculous. Um, the, the last thing I want to talk about with Otani is that he got a 10-year deal, and he's 29 years old. So he's already been in baseball for years already. He It ain't like he, you know, he a spring chicken. Uh, he's actually starting to get up in age. And to me, uh, I want to leave off with this. If 
Otani doesn't become successful in helping the Dodgers finally win a world championship uh, with with all these players on the roster in the next three years, this deal right here for 710 years is a failed a failed transaction on the Dodgers end. I feel like a lot of these owners don't know. When I'm talking about owners in baseball, football, etc., I feel like a lot of these owners just throwing money at players. They don't know. They don't really look into the future or what's down line or really looking deep in depth on what the player really got going on, like towards like injury wise and what they can bring to the team. I feel like just throwing money in, I feel like making headlines is better is a better thing than anything. And most times some of these players are getting these big contracts but at the same time they we're getting their deals reconstructed, they find out all of a sudden, oh well no, nah, we don't think he's probably really worth the money. We we gave him and it's like now this player Kind of, it's gonna be hard for them to find a team because now y'all get these, these big contracts. Now they got down. These other teams have to force paying these players because that's what the contract says. Yeah. So I don't. I feel like a lot of these owners don't know what they're doing, and most of them are white, and <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Well, get a black I, man in there. They ain't. They ain't throwing that much money to nobody like that. We're gonna make you prove, make you understand. You gonna break for this money. Well. We got to get some more black owners in the in the business. I really do. Um, I would love to see it. It's crazy that we're talking about the Dodgers, but just just now they just actually made a trade for a, a star pitcher. So there again, you know, there goes the Dodgers again, loading up, uh, trying to make that run to uh, get a, a World Series uh, championship under their belt. And I guess people, uh, you know, them getting Tyler Glass now. Um, He's been pretty good for the Rays. I'm surprised the Rays would even, you know, possibly give up a, a pitcher like that. And it goes to show that I guess the Rays is finna start, you know, rebuilding or whatever the case may be. But uh, people look out for the Dodgers. Let's see if they're gonna be dodging or they're gonna be winning. Glastros. <laughs> <laughs>